Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Are you able to look at your life and see transformation? Are you, are you, are you being transformed by God, by the Spirit of God? Can you look at the you today and say from last year to this year, I'm not the same in a good way? Because uh, most of us are not the same, but that might not be good for everybody. You know, um, am I being, am I more like the Lord? Am I more like him? Am I, am I being transformed into, am I more of what he wants me to be right now? Here's the cool thing. Are you ever going to be done? Not till you get to heaven. The transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly is a miraculous journey. It's a complete change that takes place. And how beautiful is the outcome? Someone who comes to know Jesus can make this type of transformation spiritually. Only God has the ability to change you from the inside out. In the message today, Pastor Bill will encourage you to take that step of faith if you haven't yet. Maybe you're heading down the wrong path, but with God's strength, you can make a 180 and follow Him. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 12, therefore, so because of what we just looked at, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. And Paul says here, look, because of the great hope that we have, right? Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in what he's done. You know, because they were they were saying Paul is so bold. And one of the accusations against Paul is that he was so bold in speech. But then when he would come and and and, and pre, you know, in his writings, your writings are so bold. But then when he would come in person, he was a lot milder and meeker. So some of that was Paul saying, I'm getting all the junk out in this letter so y'all can get it together. So I want to I want to come and just love on y'all. I don't want to have to come with a rebuke. And he said that earlier. Why he didn't go back the second time? He said, because I, I didn't want to go back until things were right. And so but that was one of the accusations. You write all big and bold. Well, Paul says, man, one of the reasons why we, we have such we, we, um, we're so bold in our speech is we have we have we have, we have a great hope. And this just reminds I read this and was just looking at it. It. it I think for believers that have the hope that we have, we should be bold in our speech. I'll see people that come to Christ and apart from Christ, they were very bold about other stuff. People that were outspoken, bold and just, you know, tell you what they think and all this. And then they get saved and they become very careful, very cautious, very selective. And it's like, no, why, why are you going to be selective with the truth? You know, you you was bold about dumb stuff. Now you got something worth saying and you don't want to say nothing. Well, I don't, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever. Can I, can I beg us to not be like that, right? That we have, if, if I believe the Bible, that's the hope, the hope that we have. Guys, be, be bold about it. Tell people. We should be sharing this with other people. We should be bold in our proclamation of the gospel. Bold doesn't mean, it doesn't mean rude, because that's what some people are. Some people are rude. I'm not saying that. I'm not asking you to go be rude, you know, but we should be bold, what does that mean to be bold? It means I'm, un I'm unashamed. I'm not afraid. I'll tell you. I'll share with you. When people start speaking about something, you'll jump in a conversation and, and share with them. We should be bold in our proclamation because that's our hope. I'm clinging to that. I believe this with all my heart. This changed my life. I believe it'll change your life. I believe it can change your eternal destination. I at least got to be willing to be shared with you. Boldness. And again, if you find that it's hard to do. I told y'all last week. You know, we talked about sharing the gospel. It gets to be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because it's spiritual. It's going to always be uncomfortable. But you just need to be bold. You just need to do it. You do it because it needs to be done. They need to hear it. I want them to hear it from me. I took my son yesterday morning. We went roller skating. We're there. And um, he, he, he was out there. I was talking to a dad. 
And uh, dad was sitting there and we're talking and we're talking about nothing, just dumb stuff. He's talking about cars and talking about football. And, and I'm sitting there listening. I'm, I'm trying to have the conversation because he started a conversation with me. And I'm like, I need, I'm just looking for like, I need to turn this conversation upward, you know, because it's just it's a dumb. Con- I don't really care about none. Of, I don't care about none of that stuff, you know, but I'm <laughs> but I'm in the conversation. I'm like, OK, I'm listening. This guy's got a little daughter. And I'm like, all right, you got, you got any other kids? All right, all right. You, got, uh, you married? All right, blah, blah, blah. And, then, and then finally, you know, he said, you got any other kids? I'm like, yeah, man. And uh, I use that. That was my segue. I'm like, well, I had one kid, you know, I was a teenager, man. And, you know, then my, I had a real life change when she was about eight months old. You know, I ended up giving my life to the Lord and, and I started sharing, just sharing my testimony. You know, when I shared all that with him, I asked him, where, where are you at? You, you, you have a belief, man? You go to church, your family and didn't, you know, but it was like if, if we go. And then it, then it was then it was like, hey, all right, man, I got to get going, you know. Um, but I still felt like, you know, I, it would have been a waste to sit there and talk about cars and football and and Tootaloo. And then the guy is not going to heaven. He don't know the Lord. So at least. I left him a nugget. Boom. Take that. Love you. God bless you. I feel like God wants us to do more and more of that. In my heart, that's something God's like, man, just be available. Look for those opportunities. Don't, I've wasted opportunities before. I know what it feels like. I've been at moments where God, I feel like the, Lord, the Lord's prompted me to say something. And because I'm preoccupied or I'm busy, or I, I, I just want to start that right now. You know, and, I, and, and I've done that before where I just didn't. Um, and I know that every time I've ever done that, that's a fail. I lost an opportunity. God's going to use somebody else. I'm a, I missed out on my opportunity to be used in that way. Be bold. If that's something we can commit to, I would encourage you guys even today to be pray about that. Pray, God, help me to be bold. And emboldened in, in sharing with people the hope that I have. If you really have a hope, is your hope, are you, are you locked in? I mean, and when God says hope is different, right? God's hope is not like, I hope I'm going to go to heaven. That's not what he means. It's, it's a confident hope. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, if, if, if I told my kids, you know, hey, when mom gets home, she's bringing, you know, she's bringing chicken, you know, and why, their hope is I know mom's bringing it. I know it's coming. So they're sitting at home hoping I, I can't wait to get what I know is coming. It's just a confident expectation. That's how we hope. I don't hope like with a question mark. My hope in God is confident. I know God's going to do what he says. I know he's coming back. I know I'm going to be with him. I know that heaven will be my home. I know that Christ's forgiveness is sufficient for me. It's a confident hope, and there are people that don't have that hope. We live around people that are hopeless, they have no hope. We can share that hope with them. And um, that's why the gospel is good news. You know, we can be sharing that with people. Verse 13 now says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look st- steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. And so many of you know that the Jews have uh, overall, the Jews have rejected Christ. Um, if you go all the way back to the Jew, all through Jewish Jewish history, they've rejected God routinely. You know, God chose him as his own chosen people, loved them, was, a, you know, chose them to be his own people. And in general, they would reject them. They'd be periods of time where they walk with the Lord. But in in, in general, they would reject them. They would, they would go after other gods. They would they would want pagan gods like the, the people around them. And so they would incite God's anger and discipline. Then they'd be people that would repent and they come back to the Lord. But if you look at Israel's history, God chose them, but they haven't chosen him. And there was, there's always a remnant that says, God, we want you. But there's always a majority that says we don't. And it's been that way all the way through. It's that way to this day. In Jerusalem, they, they don't in general, they don't worship God. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They reject him. There are a remnant of Jews that are believers, but it's a small group. It's a remnant. The majority don't. 
And it's amazing as you work your way all the way through their history and you work your way all the way to the end of the Bible and Revelation. Guess what? God still chooses them. He still got a plan for them. The Bible says that at the end of at the end of the story, you get to Revelation and, you know, after the rapture of the church and during the tribulation period, they're going to be Jews that get saved by the droves. There's going to be a period of time in the middle, the midway through the tribulation period. I don't got time to break all that down, but at the midway point, it's going to click for them that we've been had. And they're going to be Jews by the thousands that get saved and come to the Lord. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And as I look at that, I, I realize that it's, it, God's using those things to teach us about his love. And I think in our Old Testament reading, we're in Amos, but not too long ago, we were in Hosea. And Hosea is that beautiful story where God tells the prophet Hosea, I want you to go marry, which nobody does this. I want you to marry for a wife, a harlot. Nobody picks a harlot for a wife. That's not, nobody goes out to the strip looking for a wife, you know. But God says, Hosea, go, go out and marry a harlot. He goes out, finds Gomer, and he marries her. They come together. They have kids. As you look at the names of the kids, you know, the second kid is questionably not his. The third kid is definitely not his. She was unfaithful in the marriage. Um, after she was unfaithful in the marriage, the Bible says that she went back to her harlotry. So she was with him. She cheated on him, had kids and aren't his, and then went back to what she was doing before. Poor Hosea. Right. And then God told Hosea, chapter three, verse one. He says, go again and love a woman who is being loved by a lover. What does that mean? Hosea, go get your wife. She's with somebody else right now. Go back and get her back. He had to go buy his wife back. And I'm just thinking like, I, I read that story and I'm like, God, please don't ever make an illustration out of me. Like, please, just, I read the Bible. I believe it, you know, but poor Hosea, right? He had to go buy his wife back. And then if you, if you look at what it cost him to buy her back, her value was low. It meant that she was probably not in great condition and there's, pieces to that but he went and bought her back and then God said after all that he says just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who go after the raisin cakes of the pagan gods but but he's choosing them God said I did all that to this poor man to show you guys how I love right I chose you and you didn't you didn't want me I picked you and then you were unfaithful after I picked you and then after I picked you and you went out I came and bought you redeemed you bought you back to begin a new relationship with you who loves like that God loves like that. God's showing us through the Jewish people. That's how I love. So how confident can you and us, how, how confident can we be in our hope, right? I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. Do I deserve to be saved? No. Have I earned it? No. Have I ever been good enough? No. That's a great thing, right? I was never good enough. I was never good enough to go to heaven. God, But God says in, in, in John 15, I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. That you should go forth and bear much fruit. But God, you, picked, you chose me on the basis of what? I choose you. I chose you. Done. I'm picked. I'm on the team. What that does for me is it takes the law out. It's a very liberating thing. God's like, I didn't choose you because you were doing real good. So now you got to keep doing real good to be. I just chose you because I loved you, period. I chose you. God chose me in my worst condition. Right. When God came to me to save me, I was living in sin, shacked up with a girl, wasn't my wife, had a kid out of wedlock. I drank. I was drunk every day. I sold weed, did credit card scam for money. That was my condition. And then God saved me just like that. And I'm so glad that the guy that led me to the Lord didn't try to convince me to change first because I would have said I can't do it. He didn't come and say, man, you need to stop drinking and come to the Lord. He just said, man, you need to, you're going to go to hell and I love you and you need Jesus died for you. And eventually it got through. I realized I was going to hell and I believed it and I got saved. After I got saved, it was God who started saying that you don't have to drink no more. You can put that away now. 
That relationship is not what I want for you. This isn't what I have for you. But it was first. It was just you need me. You need the Lord. And as I look back, I think, man, that's that's the condition he got me. in. And I haven't I haven't changed and transformed in order to earn God's favor. God's like I, my favor was upon you in your worst condition. Right. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us. Now, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It puts believers in this great place. Right. God's choosing of us, loving of us, picking us. It didn't have anything to do with us. So we get to just respond to his great grace, his love towards us. It's liberating. Right. I'm going to do the best I can, but I know I'm, I'm in. You know, I told the group earlier, you know, if anybody here is very unathletic, you know, it would be like somebody who knows that you stink at football, let's say. And an NFL team says, hey, man, I want to put you on my roster. I pick you. But I'm not good. I'm not in good shape. I can't run fast. I don't even catch the ball good. I, I, I ain't like the tackle. I don't want to be hit. You know, like, but, I, but, but, but I pick you. You know, you, I, I, want, I want you to be on the team. I pick you. I choose you. And so in six months, you're going to be on my team and you're going to start. Done. You haven't earned it. You haven't worked for it. You don't really deserve it, but it's yours. Now, it would be it would make sense that that person will. I'm, I'm there. I got it. I don't earn it. I didn't deserve it, but I'm going to be on the team. I'm going to be starting. I guess I'll start working out. You know, I'm going to do the best I can do. But, it, you know, he's not working out so that like other people are working out to earn a spot. That's what you go to the training camp. There are guys that are out there working hard to beat him out of the spot because I need to make I need to convince the coach to put me in. This guy is like, well. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm <laughs> sounds like I'm going to be in anyway. You know, I'm first line no matter what, you know, and um, that's our condition in the spiritual realm. Right. God said, look, I've already chose you and I put you on my like, God. I'm not good enough. I know my insufficiency is in me. You never were good enough. You may never be good enough, but I'm good enough. Right. God is my sufficiency. Christ's life is applied to us. And so once again, for the believer, it should just be a humbling thing. We should be a humble, gracious, thankful group. There really shouldn't be. You know, I, I trip out when I see prideful Christians, you know, that are arrogant about it's like, how you arrogant? We ain't nothing like the, the deeper you get in this thing, the better you'll know that, you know. I, but I've seen arrogant ministers and arrogant Christians and proud. I'm like, you don't understand how it works right. You can't be proud. We should be thankful. You know, I'm just saying thank you. Right. If I couldn't pay my bills and somebody came and gave me all the money to pay my bills, could I walk to the bank with my stack of money like this, counting off money and taking pictures on Facebook, showing all my money or whatever? It's like, I couldn't even pay my bills. Someone else is doing it for me. I just, I can't be proud. I'm grateful. Thank you. But it's a different thing. It's not like I earned this. I worked for it. I made all this money. I, I was graced. I was gifted. That's what God has done for the believer. Amen. So moving on, he says now um, in verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And so even for the Jews that there's a veil over them. But when one of them turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And so they're able to be saved. And there are Jews that are that are saved at, to this day, you know, and God's going to continue to work in the Jewish people. Verse 17. Now, the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Here's another verse that. Uh, you know, people that like kooky church take out of what the spirit of the Lord is their liberty. Some people take that verse to mean that if God's spirit is really moving in a place, you just can do whatever you want. People can jump up and down, holler, roll on the floor, clock like a chicken. You know, just it'd be all disrupted and rude. And that's not what this verse is. Mean. We're reading it in context. What is it talking about? What's the liberty? Right. Where the spirit of the God is, there's liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's li liberty from what? Freedom from sin. Freedom from the law. Freedom from the bondage of feeling like I got to be good enough. I'm free of all of that. I'm already good enough in Jesus. 
I'm free from the restrictions. I'm free from the pressure. I'm free from the, the stress. I'm free from trying to you know, prove that I'm, I'm worthy or I'm worth it. I'm free of all of that because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's another kind of liberty the spirit brings, right? The spirit of God lives in every believer. He brings us in, into freedom even in our own lives, freedom from the bondage of having to sin. One of the evidences, one thing that should evidence a, a spirit-filled church, a spirit-filled person, a spirit-filled group of people is there should be, we should be free from bondage. Uh, we, shouldn't come, we, sh- we shouldn't come together and look like an AA group. Everybody addicted? Everybody still in bondage? I mean, you know, we may have people rolling through that they ain't got it, but we, can't, this, we shouldn't look like that. Everybody, ain't nobody free? Ain't nobody delivered? Ain't nobody overcame yet, you know? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There should be liberty. And here's the cool thing, right? Some of us have been liberated and some of us need to be liberated. Here's the cool thing God does, right? Because those that have been liberated many times are great ministers to those that need to be liberated. Those that have been know how God did it. How did you get free? You used to be addicted to that? You used to be in bondage to that? How did you do it, right? And you get to share with them how you didn't do it, how God did it, how God helped you. How did he help you? How did that, what did that look like? How did that, how's that flesh out? What did, what did, you know, what did God do? How did you surrender? How did you, like, how did that work out? How does somebody get free of a bondage, of an addiction, right? And those that have been freed are many times able to minister that to people that are saying, I need to be free. And there may, there may be people here today that will say, there's areas where you need to be free. Please don't leave and not come and say, I want prayer. Because we would love to link you up. You know, there are different things that people need liberty from. There are people that need liberty from past stuff. You know, I'm in bondage to just things of my past that have hindered me and held me back. There's people here to minister to that. There may be you, people sitting here right now that will say, you know, I am in bondage to some substance. I do desire to be free. I hate this part of my life. I want, I want to be delivered from it and free from it. I'm telling you, in this room, there are multiple people. I'm looking at their faces that were and they're not. And not because they're all that, but because God is able. And you need to, you need to be linked up so you can be encouraged. So you can talk with someone and pray with someone that knows what you're dealing with, uh, but also that they know they know what God can do. Amen. Let God do that for you. That's my plea to anybody sitting here that said I am in bondage right now, but I want to be free. I beg you not to leave church today and, and not reach out for that. Don't waste today in that way that maybe today God sets things in motion to set you free because he would like to free you. He doesn't want to condemn you. God doesn't want to beat you up for your failure. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to make you feel bad about the fact that you're in sin. He came to set people free. And if God just came to make us feel bad about sin, then we'd all just feel bad and go home. But he does better. He's better than that. Satan would love to make you feel bad. Satan would love to condemn you and kick you in the teeth and make you want to quit. That's what he does. But that's not what the spirit of God does. God doesn't condemn. God convicts and, and then he delivers. He forgives. He restores. And so if you need that, please uh, let us minister to you in that thing, in that area today. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we need to be clear what that liberty is. It's spiritual liberty, freedom from the law, freedom from the bondage of the having to do's to be right with God and freedom from even the bondage of having to sin. God makes us free. Last verse, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Here's the thing here. God says that we all with an unveiled face. Uh, We're not covered up like Moses was. There's nothing covering us. We're not veiled. We see everything clearly as in a mirror. 
He says we're being transformed. And the Bible says the word of God is like a mirror over in James. He says no man looking into a natural mirror looks and see what kind of man he is and walks away. And so the word of God is like a mirror. I always tell people the word is a mirror, not a microscope. This is a mirror for me to look in and see how I'm looking. When you look into a physical mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. You see what looks good. You see what doesn't. You see if you got a smudge, you can fix it. If your shirt wrinkled, you can iron it. If it's not fitting right, you can change it. But you look into the mirror so you can see what needs to be adjusted. You make the adjustment before you walk away. Um, you go back to the mirror to confirm that everything is right. When you come to the word, it works the same way. I'm looking into the word of God and God is showing me. He's sometimes confirming and affirming that hey, this is correct what you're doing here. This is what I want. That looks like me. But many times you look into the word and God is saying, look at that. That's not what I want. That's not my heart. That's not how I want you to be. And, and we're being challenged that we would change. And so when God says, look, you're, you're, you're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and you're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. God says, I'm changing you, right? Are you able to look at your life and see transformation? Are you, are you, are you being transformed by God, by the spirit of God? Can you look at the you today and say from last year to this year, I'm not the same? In a good way, because uh, most of us are not the same, but that might not be good for everybody. You know, um, am I being am I more like the Lord? Am I more like him? Am I am I being transformed into am I more of what he wants me to be right now? Here's the cool thing. Are you ever going to be done? Not till you get to heaven. So we're not looking to be a finished product. Right. I'm never going to be completely done. Wherever God has already accomplished, there's something new he wants to accomplish. I'm not I'm not going to be done till I get to heaven. I'm clear on that. But I should be better. I, I may not be able to look at a finished product, but I should be able to look and say, I'm not what I used to be, right? I used to really battle with that. Now I'm having victory there, but God's dealing with me in this new issue. Um, but we want to see that we're being transformed. And that requires, it's a, it's a cooperative effort. There's the word of God that tells us what to do. There's a spirit of God to enable us to do it. But here's where you come in. It's your will. You have to surrender your will to the Lord because God can tell you what to do in his word. And God can be willing to avail the power of the spirit to enable you. But until you bend your will God's way, until you say, God, I am willing Until you say like Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane, God, not my will, but yours be done. God won't make you be willing. He'll enable the willing person, though. And so you bring your God. I'm, I, I am in agreement with you and I want to I want to change. I see what your word says. I look at what I am. I need to change. I surrender. I submit. I receive that from you, Lord. As you submit and surrender those things to God, God said, I'll enable you. Uh, but you got to you got to be willing. Uh, anybody here waiting for God to zap you and make you better? I, I, I'm saying that because I used to that when I first got saved, that was how I was waiting for God to do it. I would go to different meetings. I was thinking, man, that guy can't really pray. I'm waiting for somebody to pray. And they'd be like, whoa, now, now, now I've overcome that sin. And I would go. I mean, I go, this is it's comical now because I didn't know better. But I would go to different places and just get prayed over because I had issues. I had things I was trying to overcome and I get prayer and I'm like, all right, that I think that was it. That when I felt I felt something and then I would go on about my life and then I would fall in that same thing. And it was like it didn't work. It didn't work. He can't pray. That guy can't pray. And I, I was blaming it on everybody else. And I would have to grow later to realize that God was waiting for me to repent. I'm looking for somebody to zap me and just for the power of God to hit me and make God's like, no, I ain't going to work like that. You're going to repent one day. One day you're going to be so sick of what you're doing that you're going to repent. And then I'm going to work. I'm going to help you. And that's what God did. God brought me to a place of needing to repent and understanding that it wasn't something he was going to take away. God's like, I'm not going to take it away. You're going to give it up. And that's how it works. 
But the cool thing was, as I gave it up in obedience, God enabled. It was God's power. I couldn't do it in my own strength, but God did give the power. He will give the power to you as well. Amen. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and God is transforming us from glory to greater glory into his image. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in first Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift or any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life. Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.